0: This podcast is for thinkers and problem solvers. To cut a long story short, Tom suffered an aortic aneurysm at only 37. Being otherwise healthy, this was completely unexpected following acute complex surgery he ended up spending a week in an induced coma there's a huge backstory here in how he didn't get referred to hospital by his GP and as the story about his recovery and how all this has affected his life in so many ways but in this episode we're going to focus on some of his experiences of that week in the coma hi Tom thanks for sharing this with us and being here hello how are you doing how you ended up in a coma it's a big story in itself but here you are what's going through your head at this point
1: i think the thing is you're going through so many departments and so many states of consciousness that it's hard to tell what's real and what's sort of imagination so it, i wasn't putting it immediately but they decided to put me in an induced coma to stabilize me basically because i'd had a cardiac arrest i think there's a lot of mystery surrounding comas and things like that what sort of level of consciousness you have what level of awareness you have in terms of the people around you and things like that mine was obviously induced so I do remember things like I remember my dad asking me to put my hand up one time. Or I remember squeezing. I remember doing that. I do remember music playing. There was a lot of soft rock playing. I think it was Heart FM or something like that. And I remember sort of thinking, "I'm not going out to this song." <laughs> so it kind of helped me in some ways. But but then. As much as, as well as that, a lot of it was to do with thoughts, and not the traditional kind of step into the light kind of thing. It was a lot different. It was a lot. It was very dark. It's like a bad trip, basically. So, we are
0: aware of the room around you,
1: varying degrees, because if they wanted to try something now and again they'd bring you out again so that's what I mean about hard to know what reality was because I was having visualisations of being on like spaceships and being experimented on and some pretty crazy dark things people talk about your life flashing before your eyes when you're in these critical states that kind of did happen I did have visits from like people throughout my life it was all very negative Mm. like negative like self-talk and like a lot of people like wanting me to die or saying that it was my time
0: to die or saying just insisting that i was done so these people from the past were turning up like visualizations and speaking to you and not being very nice yeah and yeah tell me a little bit more about them you say it was groups of people real people from my,
1: my past but it was never anybody who was close to me. It was not my family or anybody, anything like that. It was I've never really had enemies, I wouldn't say. So it wasn't... Nobody I've ever had problems with. Just people like inconsequential people from my past. So they had no business telling me that. Why those people in particular said those things... I've got absolutely no idea but obviously I had to find a way. It felt like that was the process and the act of death itself. That's what it felt like at the time. Mm. It felt like that was me dying Mm. and if you check my vital signs I would imagine at that point I was. I know that they asked my family to come in to say goodbye to me Mm. because I was critical. I would imagine at that time I was very ill. Mm. Well I was. So I think it would coincide with the worst mm-hmm. that I was. So, it, yeah, I was being swept away to, to my end. And it felt like the next page in my book, if I'd have turned the next page, would have been my mm-hmm. death. But I had to find a way not to turn that page. Mm-hmm. And I, so that's what I had to do was not let it go. It's like clinging on with your fingernails mm-hmm. and refocusing your mind onto something and ignoring this negative talk this negative chatter and finding a way to it was so overwhelmingly negative that it was like how am I gonna reposition my sort of frame of mind onto something that will get me out of this because mm-hmm. um it was almost like peer pressure trying to convince you to die it's very strange very mm-hmm. bizarre and uh, and I had to say no and it was like a case of, no, I'm not going mm-hmm. to. Like, whether you think believe all those things that I should die, maybe I should, maybe you're right, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. So th- that was another thing, yeah, because it was like, it felt like they were right and mm-hmm. I should die. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to. And I had to do that by formulating, like, my own sort of thoughts. So I managed to put myself on a rubber ring going around a water park with my kids and... I just managed to focus on that and just play it on a loop, loop, loop and mm-hmm. just don't let... Just in a cocoon, keep
0: that at bay um, for as long mm-hmm. as I could. That sounds brutal. What did you do to counteract that negativity and those feelings? It was like find another message. So I just locked onto
1: my kids, like big time. Everything had to disappear and it was like tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to um just laser focus and it was just my little girl at the time was six months my little boy was two so I, it was just me and them going around and around in a circle at a water park because i needed something that i didn't need something challenging to and complex to think about mm. it had to be simple and basic and positive and joyous and, and that's what i managed to come up with so we were sat on like a figure of eight inflatable rubber ring kind of thing and we were going around just in a circle in a water park so that just was played and played Mm. (laughs) and it was like an infinite loop and now it was like being inside a little glass cocoon and outside it were these baying mob telling me that i'm gonna die and it's like i had to almost just be in this little cocoon Mm. in my head Mm.
0: So when you were having visions of people and you say they were inconsequential people from the past, was any of that rooted in in history? Were they had they been mean to you or said negative things in the past? Or was it do you think you'd f- Felt that way Not as individuals I think it's just
1: my disposition Like in the past I've just had a tendency To go towards the dark side Like I say When I was a kid And I used to I used to get poorly Like just a fever Or something like that mm-hmm. I used to hallucinate And sweat really bad And then whenever that happened I would go to a dark place. Mm. And that happened from being like six, seven, eight, mm. I remember, and to into my teens to mm. drinking and like drinking too much. If you drank too much, I, I would go to a, a dark place or if had anything else. And just psychologically, that's where I'd often gravitate mm. to. And so being younger, like at, in my 20s, always worried about how will I ever get out of this? Because... For a lot of people who suffer from anxiety, they think that they'll never ever be able to master it mm. and they think they're stuck with it for their entire yeah. life. And some people are stuck with it their entire lives. Yeah. And, like, and if you, it's something that needs to be challenged head on and you need, it won't go away if you don't mm. make it go away. So you've got to find a way of conquering your anxiety. And I feel like I managed to do that. I still get it sometimes, but generally speaking, I found a way to. And that's something that i'm sure people will have experience of but if i hadn't learned how to conquer anxiety i think i would have struggled to have overcome this situation because i think it would have sunk me mm. Do you know what i mean
0: but mm. maybe not but who knows so you're talking about the dark side and having sort of dark thoughts at certain mm. times it is it is, is it a sort of being drawn to it? You know how they say we like horror films because mm. it helps us deal with stuff. And we're sort of almost playing with that anxiety a little bit and the scares and stuff. Is it are you drawn to the dark side like that? Or?
1: No, I think it's more. I think it was always self esteem. Mm. It wasn't anything that I like enjoyed. It was just, mm. I suppose, it was like more to do with self esteem and confidence, really. And and when you're in that frame of mind, things tends you can go one or two ways and if you're in a firm a firm of mind it, if you, your self-talk is not good then you'll go to the dark side mm. do you know what i mean that's the way people gravitate towards so that like, it was more to do with that so it was more revisiting like being in that sort of coma and going to the dark side it was a bad trip that's mm. what it was and uh, but, if you, if maybe if you have a positive disposition, which I think I am now, and I think I was at the time, but it was like going back in time a little bit. But maybe the people who see the angels and see the heaven and see the people visited from nice people, mm-hmm. maybe they've just got a different mm-hmm. a different disposition. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. How it's interesting how like your own brain could sink you yeah. and it could take you down. And
0: so, yeah, it's really interesting like that because. Uh, your mind's pretty powerful, really. And you said, like, quite physiological. It's quite... There's quite a lot going on. Do you think, because it was so much trauma going on in the body, do you think that really drove some of the, the well, anxiety? Well, I think... One of the funny things is, when I was actually out, I think
1: one of the consultants said to someone, I think it was Amelia, said that, does he suffer from anxiety? Mm. And she said, yeah. And he said that it could have been his heart so that's the other thing I'd suffered from anxiety the doctor had asked if I did because he said that the, my heart could have been causing my anxiety because if you think about it I've got a big 10 centimeter aneurysm just above my aortic valve so that's as your heart pumps blood out it's in that chamber there that's going to make your heart beat faster, which is going to make you anxious mm-hmm. and feel anxious. So it could have been the cause of my anxiety. So people who do suffer from anxiety, who knows what the body could be trying to mm-hmm. tell them, how no, do we?
0: Yeah. So that's
1: a really interesting thing. But like the lead up to just before I actually was hospitalized, I was like, I felt like I was losing my mind. So mm-hmm. just intense pain. Like panic. I remember sitting in the bath and not wanting to get out and just fear, inexplicable fear for the unknown. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't have pains, so it was just unease. Mm. And now I know what it was. So it's my body was basically telling me that I was very ill, but I didn't know why. So it's very interesting mm. in that sort of
0: physiological way how that
1: came about.
0: So the so all these people from your past, all this negative talk, do you think in a way that kind of gave you some determination then? Even though it, it sounded like they were telling you to die and stuff. Do you um, think you got anything from, from that?
1: Well, I'm still here, so in a way, but it's hard to say, is it? Because I'm still alive, but I don't know if it was like a mechanism for me to, to rally against. <laughs> like what my insides tell me is that was just how ill I was. And it, I don't think it, it was, in reality, I don't think it was anybody wanting me to die. I mm. think it was me dying. Mm. So I don't think it was necessarily these people who were saying it.
0: Mm.
1: I can think of a few of them. I, I don't think any of them want me to die in reality. Mm. So it's nothing like that. I think it just was my body being so weak and poorly. It was dying. Mm. and And that was just me falling into this black river, getting swept away to Mm. my death Mm. and that's what it felt like so there was no bright light it wasn't very romantic it was just me like trying maybe it was the struggle and the fact maybe maybe it was the fight but they didn't at that point they'd called my family because i was gonna die Mm. so the fact that i didn't maybe that blackness was me clawing my way back Mm. because i was Mm. done basically. Mm. So if I'd have just died, maybe it would have been nice and Mm. white, like, because I didn't die. Maybe Mm. that was the struggle to not die. Who Mm. knows? It could have been that.
0: So do they feel like real, these visualisations, like really there?
1: Not necessarily real. I was aware that how it was like, it was like death itself. Mm. So it was almost like if I'd have given to these thoughts... I would have, I believe I would have died. Mm-hmm. So I had to find a way to, it's like to the outside world, you're you asleep, but inside your mind is still quite active. Mm. So if you switch your mind off in that state, I think you die. I think mm. it felt like that's what happens. Mm. So like sleep within a sleep. Mm. So if you fall asleep within that sleep, there's no waking up. That's mm. what it felt like. So I felt like I needed to hook my mind on, hook it somewhere, because I was like clinging on by my fingers. So you have to find a way to stop your, it's really strange to say, but like your mind's eye inside to stop that from closing. It felt like those old fashioned televisions when you turn it off and the little white light goes into the middle and disappears. And I felt that little, like that little white dot in the middle. Mm. And if it had have flicked out, mm. that would have been the end. So that was like your consciousness, like just holding on to life to keep that going. Yeah, it felt like I was on like the last page. If there was another page in my book, that was when I died. So I didn't want mm. to turn to that last page because that was it. And so it was a, a way of preventing that really and
0: keeping all these things at bay. Wow. So yeah, we were saying this earlier, but it doesn't sound like in the movies at all when people talk about angels and white light and peace sounds tough. No, I can imagine for some people, it
1: maybe it is like that. I suppose it depends on, like, in the past, even from being a kid, like, when I've been poorly as a kid, I've had, like, bad sort of, what's the word, hallucinations, and I've experienced these kind of weird, like, bad trips kind of things throughout my life, mm-hmm. and I think that sort of didn't help. So that, in a way, I feel shows that maybe... um your disposition, your natural disposition, and how much your thought goes into your physical state. I felt like I could have thought my way into death, to me, which is a bit of a crazy thing to say. Whether that's possible or not, people will have different views on that. But it feels like two people could have been in the same situation and depending on their frame of mind, Mm. could be different outcomes. And Mm. that's what it felt like. And I felt like I went to a dark place, which could have ended up in sort of me trying to... I don't want any more of this. But what I did was I was just thinking about my kids really and invented a scenario, just me and my kids on a water park, going round and round in circles on like a lilo thing, a rubber ring kind of thing, going round and round in circles. And I just pinned my mind on that because it was a positive thought. Mm. I put it on a loop. I felt like I was in a cocoon and all these negative thoughts were around me, Mm. basically telling me to die and... Mm if I'd have succumbed to that Mm. I think I would have done but because I managed to use this strategy to keep it at bay and I think that came from maybe coping mechanisms from the past where you learn to do these things I think if it had been fresh to me I think it might have been overwhelming Mm. but I managed to find a an avenue where I could just it's almost like a air raid shelter Mm. and just get in there and tried to weather it until eventually they put a tracheostomy in and brought me around and tried a different way. And then that was a slow wean from there and it was a different approach to the recovery. But that time, it wasn't looking promising at all to so did, yeah.
0: did you think did at any point you think about letting go it's very weird because it sounds very english
1: but i was paranoid about things that i might have said and to the nurses and, yeah, yeah. And, and paranoid about being an inconvenience and being vulnerable and like being too much trouble which sounds ridiculous when you're mm. basically dying but you think oh Are they getting annoyed with me? Like, so strange thoughts like that, which sounds really English, but... So thinking you might
0: be better off going or...?
1: No, not really, because the thing was, I was, like, the only voice who wanted me to not die. Mm. So, like, the thing was, it was, like, it was very strange, like, just an overwhelming swarm of... It felt like death as an emotion, do you Mm. know what I mean? So if death was an emotion, that's what it was. And it was, Mm. like, trying to take me away. And, like, the only thing that could stop that from happening was, like... I, I had to say no mm. I had to refuse it
0: what was the emotion like was it like anxiety type feeling or? I think I said before it was like being
1: washed away in, in a big black river mm. so it felt like I was being washed away mm. and taken away mm. and and that's what all these sort of bad thoughts and like I say I thought I was at one point i thought i was being experimented on but like your level of consciousness in surgery i've been in open heart surgery for 10 hours also things like that you probably got certain levels of awareness of they are doing things to you because the doctors mm. and stuff like that so it's, are you a little bit aware of what they're actually doing do you mm. know what i mean the impact of being on a heart lung machine for 10 hours is a long time as well so yeah it's it's you know a deal that and that was just that little period there was many sections to it Mm. that was just that one little period of being in a coma but then you've got the recovery outside
0: of that being on the trachea which is a different story in itself really really fighting there for uh, for survival is there any positive bits is it like sometimes we have this idea of comas being like sleep was there any rest it definitely
1: like Like you say, if you watch a film and it's challenging for your family, obviously seeing you in that state, but this view that you're just relaxing. I don't know about, I can't speak for anybody else, but it wasn't like that. It was like a battle of the mind and it'd be interesting to talk to anybody else who's been in a situation because obviously I can only speak for myself. But it, it wasn't a peaceful rest to then get the energy to get better. It was... Yeah, it was it was like a bit of a battle. In terms of positives and stuff like that, I think everything disappears. Everything. Nothing is important, mm-hmm. which is a good lesson because everything fell away. So you get like laser focus, which is just for me it was just all I thought about was my kids and that mm-hmm. was something that I had to hang my sort of my life on. Do you know what I mean? So I had to hang it on that. Because it would be interesting if I didn't have kids in like I'm not saying like, you wouldn't give up, but what would I substitute my kids for? Yeah. I'd have to find something else.
0: And was that like thoughts of like If I'm not around, what would they be like? What just to keep
1: being? my focus, my little girl, she's five now, but at the time she was six months, my boy was two. And it was just, she was just how cute and innocent they are. And like, it's just like, they made me like, they gave me something... That I wouldn't have otherwise had to mm. hold on to, mm. and uh, but like I say, so everything else fell away, and it's like things like layers peel away until they were the only things left, mm. and it's so that was the only thing that that kept me focused really. Mm. But then uh, I won't go into too much detail because I could talk for hours. But they're the the lessons that you want to learn from an experience like that. Then you get as you start to recover over the months and years, it's easy to get sucked back into normality and the rap race Mm. and like the grind and forget these lessons and Mm. you have to find a way to remind yourself where you were because life doesn't forgive life doesn't really care Mm. that something like that's happened to you so the lesson that you've been taught is quickly forgot because it's not really it's so personal to you but the world's not bothered Mm. so you've got to try and find a way of using that lesson to good Mm. effect and what is it you've taken away from that, from it, from the um, experience? The thing is that I, I don't think I, I used the lesson. So that's what I want to do now. I don't want to let it go and mm. let it slip because I feel like it was such a unique experience what I've told you but also things that I haven't told you mm. uh, I think it was like such a unique experience that it's if it, it doesn't feel like something that you can let slide and uh, it feels like something that needs I need to incorporate somewhere and use in my life because mm. it's almost a blessing because I was so grateful when I was in there I used to get so emotional once I'd because I was in intensive care for two months and I was so grateful for the people that were looking after me it was so emotional and I was like just looking at watching everybody and what they were doing for me Mm. and it was so what's the word humbling Mm. that uh, that you just felt overwhelmed Mm. by love for all these people that were Mm. so good to you and uh, so you get back into normality and you don't want to forget that. You want to put that to, to use in some way. Yeah, so
0: you're carrying something from it that not totally put into use yet, but like you can feel it coming out into the world or, or something
1: I feel like I was able to manage because I've had experiences with anxiety and things in my past and coping and I suppose you could say CBT and, and all that kind of stuff. And I've had brushes with using those sort of techniques in the past so that I feel that like if I maybe hadn't, maybe there would have been a different outcome but I feel like because mentally i had tools that I could use to try and so like now I feel like potentially these people who struggle maybe are taken it's very it can be a very lonely place to be in when you're recovering from something and the unknown like especially your mind and body because, you know, I felt like I maybe had Parkinson's or I felt like I had more new... I was just trembling and shaking a lot and I felt like I've survived all that. It was such a battle to survive. And then I was worried that I had a degenerative condition because my body just felt so mm. ill and just felt so weak. And mm. so it was a case of, well, I've, I've done all that and mm. why did I bother? Because I'm just... I'm not going to be well. So it'd be nice to somehow support people who are suffering with trauma and who are suffering with something like that to just know that it is lonely but I suppose just know that there's people out there who know how they feel
0: mm. you know what I mean yeah such a unique experience for people and yeah I think you were saying earlier you had no idea what it would be like you think oh I'll get the surgery and that's it yeah but it was a lot more to
1: it I think yeah I think
0: because it was all
1: such a I had a huge aneurysm they had to replace my aortic valve it was a really big operation it it all happened so quick it was acute so I wasn't like waiting on on a waiting list or anything like that Mm -hmm. it just happened quickly so I didn't have like loads of time to worry but the surgeon who's a legend he explained what they were going to do and he was like oh my goodness when he explained what they were going to do so I thought I'll either die in surgery or I'll just recover i wasn't really anticipating the slog of the being in intensive care for like two months and stages that went through in that regard but that's life (laughs) you've got no choice so that's the beauty of it is you've got no choice so when if you find yourself in a situation like that what else can
0: you do nothing no and i think you were saying earlier about self-talk to help with the difficult times in it will you tell us a bit about how that was self-talk was the
1: self-talk was more more the bad stuff so these characters they were real people from my past not necessarily people that i had any problems with either not i didn't have any of my family or close friends saying negative things to me Mm -hmm. more inconsequential people from school and people who i knew but weren't necessarily close to Mm. they were just (laughs) it was just like the people see your life flashes before your eyes We did in a way Mm. because these people from my past came and told me some decided to call me a loser or say yeah you're gonna die it's your time to die and just very horrible it was horrible so that was kind of like the that aspect of it i didn't really answer in words it was more like i say i just had to just stand up to it and it's more a case of having to switch off from it and think how am I going to not do what they say because mm. it was like it felt like a barrage yeah. of negativity so controlling you your focus yeah it's more yeah, yeah it's more to do with focus yeah. than um, self-talk so like I say and I was joking before but I mean it in a way because they kept local radio stations that play the same music all the time yeah. and I could hear the music and I've got no problem with the music as such but it was just the same songs, and it was like share and all these songs. <laughs> and I genuinely thought, I think I even managed to have a laugh whilst I was in that state. I thought, I'm not, I'm not going down to this, man. I'm not going, I'm not going out to this song. <laughs> and I genuinely believe that helped me a little bit as well. Yeah. If it had put like a song that I loved, mm. I, I might have thought, oh, you know what, I'm done. This is it. Oh, this is <laughs> a nice song to go out to. Yeah. I'm not joking, you know, I wouldn't have given up. But, but it did feel like songs were... I won't say they were driving me mad, but maybe they contributed to saving me. But mm. also another song line, in if you fall, but how you rise, it says who you really are. I played that song in my head, like round and round, that line. Mm. And so I was just trying to find things like that. It was like a mantra. Yeah.
0: So what, what was the phrase again?
1: It's not if you fall, but how you rise, it says who you are. So it was a case of this can happen to anyone out of the blue. Things can take us by surprise, but you've got to face these challenges and we'll all have challenges in different ways so it's a case of how you meet that challenge Mm. but it almost feels like i say that was a challenge in itself but then getting back to life life itself is a challenge so it's like trying to find that same sort of zest for not dying Mm. put that same energy into living do you know Mm. what i mean and that sounds cheesy but because i feel like by surviving, you only get back to zero. Mm. So if I, if it took such an effort to get back to zero, mm. like how can I put that effort into thriving in life? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I suppose that's where I feel like I'm at now, and now to re- think of, reevaluate things. It's like if you can go, you don't get any, you don't get a badge mm. for not dying. Yeah. So it's so how can I? I'm at zero now. So mm. how can I put that level of effort that it took to not die? Mm. How can I put that into yeah going forward so i suppose that's i feel like i missed that opportunity Mm. and i'm trying to rediscover that because i think it's Mm. something that we all
0: owe to ourselves a little bit thank you very much for sharing tom so much to go at with your recovery and we could talk about there not being that much support for people after these experiences but yeah we'll stop there and yeah thank you very much for sharing thank you very much thanks for tuning in and if you found it interesting please do share and if you'd like to know more about my hypnotherapy problem solving coaching or mindfulness teaching please visit chris-walton.com